We'll see. This is. I'm definitely going to include this in the intro, by the way. Awesome. Welcome, everybody, to the Life Plus God podcast. I am here with my co-host, Aaron Willis. My name is Alyssa Robinson. And Aaron, let me tell you, you have recorded one episode with me, and you have gotten rave reviews. <laughs> I have people emailing me, asking me, can I please meet Aaron? Put what? Aaron on more. I want to hear more from Aaron. That's, they love you. That's strange. That's <laughs> they strange. They absolutely love you. Okay, so today's that's topic on... Aaron and Alyssa talk about whatever they want to talk about. Yeah. Is money. Okay. And it's a scary topic. Yeah. Because my experience of working at a church is as soon as you start to talk about money, people are like, peace out. <laughs> See yes. you never. And I have had people tell me, hey, when the church does their stewardship or generosity or whatever campaign they call it, they're like, I just don't go for a month. And then I come back when it's over. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Because people, and I love it that people feel comfortable enough to say that to me <laughs> directly. Right. Like, yeah, I'm just not going to be here for the next four weeks. So I hope you understand. Yeah. People hate it when the church is asking for more money. Yeah. And so I want to talk about just our general attitude towards money. Um, and I'm happy to go first because I know like it's a touchy subject for people, right? Maybe not yeah. for you, but like... Because you're like, oh, I'll talk about anything. I'll, pr I'll pretty much talk about anything. Yeah. But, you know, it's like religion, politics, money. Don't yeah. ask about it. Yeah. And here, let's get into it. Yeah. So, so of course, <laughs> I had it on my list of things we have to talk about. Yeah. So, man, when it comes to money, mm -hmm. for me, I have so much fear. Yeah. Which is so unlike me in every other aspect of my life. Okay. But I'm always afraid that the rug's going to get pulled out from under me at some point and I'm going to lose my job and I'm going to lose my savings mm -hmm. and I'm going to have nothing. And, you know, so I'm constantly thinking, like, I budget like you wouldn't believe. Like, yeah. I have down to the penny the amount that I'm spending on each thing each month and I'm putting in my 401k and I'm putting into savings and I'm just squirreling away okay. and I deny myself constantly of like little extra things here and there. And, um, I, I don't know. It's just, it's so much fear for me really? <laughs> around okay. money. So you tell me what is your relationship and attitude towards money? Um, I mean, that's changed quite a bit over the last two years. So, um, you know, a little bit of background on me. I lost my full-time job at the end of 2019. Oh no. Literally December 31st. Uh, and then being an audio professional, uh, you know, trying to start up my own thing and then the pandemic happens. And, uh, I don't know if you know this, um, but, uh, audio people are not essential workers. In, pr in pretty much any capacity. You know, the one word to describe it, unprecedented. <laughs> I would say it was also unprecedented. <laughs> so, you know, my relationship with money has changed uh, quite a bit over the last few years. And, you know, I will say there's not a, uh, I don't have the, the fear for it. Uh, I, don't, I don't really kind of think about it that way because, uh, you know, I don't have any real pieces of paper telling me that I'm qualified to do anything. I just do things. Um, and I've always just kind of found a way, but, uh, this is the longest stretch mm -hmm. in my life that I've been on. And so I, uh, I, I would say I'm very anxious about it. I'm not, I'm not afraid of it because there have been times in my life being a musician, being an audio person, like that you just don't, you, you don't have money. Yeah. You just can't make money. Um, and so uh, but also I'm in a position where I have been, you know, going through all that savings to maintain, you know, keep our house, keep, uh, our cars, which we've gone down to one car payment, you know, just those kind of things that you try to do just to maintain. I also have this thing of now that I'm probably middle-aged, even though I'm on the young end of middle-aged, hopefully we'll see, you know, you know. You might, you, you might never be know. past due. I might be past due. I might <laughs> technically be over the hill, but, um, <laughs> but you know, now I'm, I'm hitting this point where I'm kind of looking at, you know, what do I want to do? What is my, as, as a, as a, not just as a man, but as a person, 
what is my identity if I am not working a job? What does that mean about who I am? Because when guys get together and talk, oftentimes it's like, how's work going? How's a lot of times guys are a little bit more guarded about the real stuff. And so we can talk about talk shop. Yeah, we can talk about the things that are more pragmatic and more mechanical. And that's a that's kind of a safe space. And then when you figure out who your real friends are, you kind of open up and you can talk about more real things. But it's like now when I get together with, uh, you know, a bunch of guys are like, oh, what's going on? And it's like, well, that's a good question. I'm going to add in a cricket sound effect there. <laughs> yeah, Note as you should. to self. As you should. So, you know, it's one of those things that um, it, it, it is difficult. I think that it, it, it plays a little bit to my identity. Um, that pressure does. And uh, but I'm also kind of sitting here like, you know, if I'm going if I'm going to have to start over uh, because the job that I had before, I don't really think it exists anywhere else. It was a very big hybrid of multiple responsibilities that I just don't think I'm going to find anymore. Um, and if anybody's out there and interested, just uh, email Alyssa and she'll pass the job opportunity along to me. But um, you don't want to give people your own emails for job opportunities? <laughs> no, no, You're no, no, like, Am I, am I, I your you, administrative assistant now? What is going on? <laughs> I just need you to weed out the riffraff <laughs> is what I need you to do. Uh, uh, I'm not going to do that for you. Oh, that's fair. So. That's fair. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you'll be able to find me somewhere uh, if you're that interested. But, um, you know, what do I want to do if I am going to start over, if I am going to have to work my way back up? What does that mean for me? So there's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of kind of this identity and flux that doesn't feel really good. It's not yeah. very comfortable. Well, I like the point that you made of like maybe it's talking about a job, but really like we see money as tied into our identity and oh, yeah. the way we see ourselves is mm -hmm. by our income. Um and it kind of takes me back to, you know, money in the church, right? Because I remember the feeling so many people, like I said at the beginning, get weird when the church starts to talk about money. And mm -hmm. I've felt all those feelings because I've been the person sitting in the pew on Sunday morning, knowing that I make a lot of money and I don't give anything to the church. And then they go into this month-long stewardship campaign and I just feel guilt, 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 mm. guilt, even though whatever they were preaching or was not meant to feel that way. Yeah. I made myself feel that way. Cause I was like, what are you doing? You have the money. You're not helping people, all of these things. And then you get defensive about it and you start looking for people to point fingers at and say, Oh, well this person makes way more money than me. And I bet they don't give anything <laughs> or whatever. And so <laughs> it just becomes this like ugly mess of, because yeah. money is so tied into the way that we see ourselves mm -hmm. and Honestly, I kept telling myself when I was making a lot more money, okay, when I make this much, I'll start giving to the church. Okay. Or when I make this much, I'll start giving to the church. And it never happened. And I found that when I finally like removed myself from that environment and took that big pay cut to work for a church, that's when I was willing to give yeah. because I was making less money. Mm -hmm. And so the more money you make, the harder it is to give away, which you would think it would be the opposite. Well, yeah, you would think that it would be the opposite. Um, you but know, I'm proof that it wasn't for me. Yeah, I think it's not for a lot of people. I mean, when you start talking about 10% of your income, uh, if, if you're talking about traditional tithing, as, mm -hmm. as we would think about it, and that by all means is not the only way to give, but, um, you know, it, when you're making $32,000 a year, that's one thing. When you're making $750,000 a year, that's an entire other thing. And that tithe is worth more than the salary in, in, you know, in whole of the previous person. And I think we do have this hesitancy because we start thinking about that bulk sum. And what can I do with $75,000? What, what if I wanted to get way ahead on my house payments? So what, what, that, that's financial security for me. Uh, what if I could pay off both of our car notes? What if I could do this? What if I could do that? And so when we start talking about these, these bigger numbers, um, there are some people that I know that as their income has increased 
their freedom has as well. Uh, and then there are a lot of people that I know that it's the opposite. They feel uh, more like uh, people are trying to take things from them. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not all about your money, but at the same time, you know, it, it, it can be one of those things where you're like, this is a this is a big chunk. What could I do with this chunk? And it's easy to put different thoughts on that instead of just giving it to somebody else for them to do something with. What are your th- general thoughts on giving to the church? What has your experience been with giving to the church? Well, I think I mentioned in the last, um, the last podcast that I uh, have been to a few different churches that have been more of a prosperity gospel church. And um, the thing that I find, you know, kind of insidious about that, um, to use a word that I very much intended to use, just so you know. I love that word. Um, is that uh, there is a, a concept of um, you need to give out of your lack. Uh, even if you are struggling financially, the way out of that hole is for you to give. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm not saying that God cannot work that way at all. Uh, I would never limit uh, his power, his desire to do something like that. But I do know that there are a lot of people that would take advantage of people. When you are losing hope financially, and this kind of hits home with me at this point, when you're kind of losing hope financially, uh, you you might not know where to go and you might not have any other hope available to you. And when somebody is out there telling you, um, you know, the way out of that hole is for you to give me until it hurts you. That's your sacrifice to make to the Lord is for you to give me your money until it hurts you. And that's how you will reap the reward. And uh, I fear for a lot of people that does not help them. Um, as much as, you know, maybe some other things can, or maybe, uh, maybe giving to another church where they can, uh, be a part of a, of a network of people that could help them in, in, in some other way, shape or form. So my thoughts on tithing are probably a little bit tainted from that, but overall, I do think that, um, the concept of tithing is biblical Um, But it's not salvific. It's not tied to your salvation. Um, And so I don't really know to that extent if it's required. Uh, And if so, is the 10% a guideline? What if you can't do that? Um, You know, what if you, uh, you know, literally can't manage that. I, I don't you know. You look at your finances and your budget, and if you're giving 10% to the church, you can't pay your rent. Exactly. I wouldn't argue that, well, God wants you to pay the church and figure out your housing situation later. Well, there there are people who would argue that. Yeah. I th- that's the part to me that's, that's, a, that's a little bit dangerous. And, um, you know, it, for those of you who are listening to this when this first comes out, like, there's literally a, uh, a, a pastor here in the Metroplex, I believe, who uh, is prop- propositioning his congregation and the, uh, his viewers, because he is on TV, that uh, he needs another plane, an additional plane. He has a few planes, actually. I don't know how many. And, um, you know, we're coming off of, again, one of the most unprecedented times in modern American history, you know, a a, a century ago, we had uh, the Spanish flu. And then a couple of decades after that, we had the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. We kind of had the two of those a little bit smushed together, although I wouldn't say that this is quite to the level of the the Great Depression. Uh, It was very scary. And we still have lingering economic effects from it. And we don't know how those are going to play out necessarily. And so uh, it does seem um, uh, very crass to get up and uh, say that you need another jet. Well, and, and stories like that are the headlines that I hear all the time mm-hmm. from um, 
friends who say stuff like this is the reason that I won't step foot in a church because right. it's so corrupt and I know mm -hmm. that they're not using the money for helping other people. I will say one of the reasons I am where I am is because I don't believe that uh, that's every church. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that I have found a church uh, that, that cares for uh, the surrounding community primarily. And then beyond that, um, you know, national and international missions as well. And that's a, you know, that's a, a, a big thing on, on my heart is to, uh, uh, you know, work and serve and give somewhere where they are actually making uh, a positive impact. There is this huge myth and this feeling that we've all had at one point of my gifts don't make a difference. Like all I can do, if all you can do is give a dollar a week, I am here to tell you that makes a difference. A dollar a week equals $52 for the church. Yeah. And that could pay for a day of Sunday school for kids, mm -hmm. for a hundred kids. Yeah. So yes, it makes a difference. Like that little bit really does make a difference. And it really is a collection of all of our resources snowballs into something really big and beautiful and uh, serves the community. So $52, mm -hmm. man, we do Kids Eat Free every year where we're awesome. paying for uh, kids who are on the subsidized lunch programs to be able to eat over the summer. Mm -hmm. We do all sorts of things that if we had 50 extra dollars mm -hmm. for that mission project, it makes all the difference. It oh, really yeah. does. Yeah. It's like the March of Dimes, right? And you just, it's, if you do a little bit at a time, but everybody does a little bit, it can add up to a lot. Giving makes an actual difference when you have this big network in place. Oh, yeah. Uh, and all of our collective money can come together. And I'll say one of the things that I have unlearned about tithing is that I thought, and I have actually learned a lot of this working at this church, having Pastor Daniel as our senior pastor, because he... Uh, is one of those weird pastors who loves talking about money. <laughs> like he <laughs> loves talking about giving yeah. to, for people. And I've, most pastors I've known dread the month where they have to ask people to yes. give more money. Um, but he loves talking about it because what I've learned is that I always thought tithing was the goal. Mm -hmm. Getting to giving 10% of your income is the goal, but that's not the goal. The goal is relationship with God and learning how to have a generous heart. Mm -hmm. And for you, that might mean 1% of your income. Yeah. And having that open communication with God about how, you know, how generous are you asking me to be? Um, and we have this standard of 10% because in the Bible, they were like, yeah, 10% of your mm -hmm. income means like out of your 10 goats, give one, you mm -hmm. know, to God and sacrifice it. And um, I just feel like if we're, looking it at it as like, okay, tithing is a box to check, mm -hmm. then we're just missing the point of the oh, whole thing. Absolutely. Um, and it's okay. Cause like I am at a full tithe now and I'm not saying that to pat myself on the back. I'm saying that to say <laughs> it took me 15 years to mm -hmm. get there. 10 out of those 15 years, I wasn't giving at all. Mm -hmm. And then I started giving like $20 a month you know, yeah. and kind of built up from there. And it took me a really long time. And now it's gotten to the point that like, I don't even miss the money anymore when it goes out the door. I don't even notice it's gone because it goes out at the beginning of the month. And my budget is based on the 90%, yeah. not that 10%. Um, but tithing is difficult. Yeah. And it's not just like, why aren't you tithing? Jump in, give 10% of your income. It's about relationship. Yeah. And I think, uh, for those of you who are my age and older, I think that we have a real trust issue. And mostly that's because of Columbia house records and tapes where you, they were like, Hey, five free tapes. Uh, and then you're like, great. I need 
all of Michael Bolton's catalog immediately. Give me that. And then, and then like, and we'll send you some more every month. And then you get like a bill for $120. And so now we're, we're all like, uh, this monthly thing. No, thanks. It's mm -hmm. not for me. Yeah. Um, even though you get to hear the sweet dulcet tones of Michael Bolton. Um, it, I think a lot of people are just like, uh, I don't want, I don't want to do that. That's a very specific trauma. Well, you know, I think it's a shared trauma. Uh, everyone send Alyssa all your Columbia house <laughs> emails. Um, I, I really just want you to email Alyssa. I am Aaron's point of contact at, at this point. I do have people messaging me and be like, tell me more about Aaron. And I'm like, tell you, tell him. Like, I don't know what they want to know about you're me. You're a mystery. I am indeed. <laughs> so I want to know mm -hmm. maybe for you personally now or in the past or things you've heard from friends, what are your hangups about giving to the church? Um, you know, in, I would say in current times, um, my, my hangups are mostly related to, man, I, I don't know if I can, <laughs> I'll say it. You might just have to edit all of this out. Um, yeah, I would say that my, my hangups are kind of related to the attitude of maybe the church again we kind of talked about that last time the 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 church as a as an entirety as a as an an entity all churches together the 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 attitude and maybe entitlement's not really the right word that i'm looking for but maybe the 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 heart of the church as it approaches the outside world especially domestically here um, and I feel like a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. And that's totally fine. Email Alyssa. Um, <laughs> but I, I see there are, uh, there are churches that I know of, um, because I have friends that go there because I have family that goes to, to different churches. And again, it's not every church, but it is some churches and that's too many for me. Um, but the way that they kind of approach the the people outside the church, whether that's uh, issues of homelessness, issues of addiction, and just even uh, poverty, the way that um, we we kind of view people who really don't have uh, enough. And just to give you a little context, um, back right when I s started going here, um, Clay Horton was here. You might have to bleep out his name. I don't know what the agreement is. No, we st <laughs> we love Clay Horton. I do too. He is the senior pastor at Vista Ridge United Methodist Church right now. Yes. Shout out. Hey, Clay. Yes. Uh, we love you. I also love Clay Horton. Uh, he was getting a, 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 a local ministry team together to do some specific work. And one of those things was the Wesley Rankin, uh, uh, what is that called? Wesley Rankin Community Center. Thank you, mm -hmm. yes. Uh, and they do a lot of after-school programs for kids and stuff like that. And we went down there to shoot a lot of videos, do some interviews, do some stuff like that. And I was in charge of kind of filming everything and, and putting it together and editing it. And I needed to do it for a specific kind of uh, meeting that we were having to try to get more people involved in local missions, trying to raise money for Wesley Rankin, which is a really great um, cause, a really great charity. Um, and so as I was editing this video, we focused on one girl and kind of her life. And we went to her house in West Dallas that was owned by a guy that owns several dozen, if not hundreds of homes down there and writes a very bad renter's agreement where he gives them reduced rate in exchange for him not having to take care of anything with the house. And so when they get code violations, it falls to the mm -hmm. people who don't have enough money. And you could say very clearly, like people could say about your financial trauma from your ex-husband, well, you should have, but in some people's cases, there's no choice. Mm -hmm. 
if I want a place to live, this might be the only place that I can that afford. That I can afford, yeah. And I might have to sign this agreement. So we were, uh, I, I remember I was, uh, I was editing this 11th hour, trying to get it done. We were having some problems with, you know, the flow and narrative and all that kind of stuff. And so I got my final changes done. And I was adding in photos that I had taken while we were out there just doing the, you know, kind of giving some B-roll so it just wasn't a talking head the whole time. And this little girl is talking, and so I put in a picture of her house, which is all, it's very run down. Mm -hmm. um, and inside, I would say it was just as bad, um, where you could see through the floorboards to the ground below because they, are, they weren't on pier and beam and they weren't on a concrete foundation. These houses were just set on the dirt. Mm. And there were just floorboards, so there were, you know, bugs. And it wasn't that it was dirty. They were being taken advantage of. It wasn't that it was dirty. It's just that it was not sealed. It was not, I mean, it was just mm -hmm. so it, creatures could get in through the floorboards because there wasn't a concrete slab underneath them, and they weren't up on pier and beam, and they didn't have solid floors. And... If you know that this is not a house you're going to own, there's also no incentive for the homeowner to improve it mm -hmm. beyond it remaining functional for them while they're there. And so I get to the end of this and I'm watching through it. And granted, I've been working on this thing for a couple of weeks. It was like 14 minutes long. It was really long, kind of like the story is. And uh, I was watching it and was animating the picture of the front of her house just so it would have some motion to it. And it hit me that her house number is the exact same as my house number. And uh, I started crying like a big old baby because it really put into perspective for me the, the, the benefit that I have been operating under my entire life. And I don't think I was any harder working than that particular household was because it had two families in it. Mm-hmm. Two families, all all four adults working more multiple jobs. Yeah, multiple jobs, trying to make enough money to get into a different situation. And so I look at those people, and I'm super thankful that Wesley Rankin is there. I'm super grateful that the because that's a that's a United Methodist Church facility, correct? Yes. Yes. And so I'm very thankful that that is there. And I do see churches that are not as concerned. And for me, that's fundamentally one of the things that we are called to do as Christians. And I think that we can talk ourselves out of some very uncomfortable situations. I think we're really good at that. Mm. And um, I, I feel like Really, for me, that is one of the things that, um, I mean, really had me away from the church for three years, yeah. uh, a, a long time. And thus my giving for the church, my working for the church in any kind of capacity. Yeah, I think that um, when it comes to giving to the church... Stories like that are the beautiful things of mm -hmm. where you, it was really difficult exercise for you. And it's uncomfortable sometimes to recognize the amount of wealth that we have because we're in this bubble, right? Of like, I don't, the flower mound is a bubble where like you don't have to see the the hard, like I don't want to say that people who live in flower mound don't have problems because they do. Yeah. But everybody does. You don't have to see the poverty mm -hmm. that other people are dealing with maybe just 20 minutes away. Yeah. And it's easy for us to hide ourselves from that. And so I think that um, the fact that churches are willing to show that and say, you know, hey, we're not telling you this to make you feel guilty. We're oh. not trying to like you know, emotionally manipulate you to cough up your money. Mm -hmm. We're trying to tell you, like, there are people in need and we are in a position to help. Mm -hmm. Where I struggled for a long time with uh, giving to the church is that 
I mean, I've been very open. I have trust issues. <laughs> and <laughs> it really is an exercise in trust because um, working at a church, there are people who give their money to the church, but they want to earmark it <laughs> of, um, okay, I'm going to give you this, but it can only go to this oh, mission. I understand. And I don't want it to go to keeping the lights on. I don't want it to go mm-hmm. to paying staff members. I don't want it to go to any of these things. And it's an exercise in control of what we think that the money should go to in the church. And I fell into that too of like, I would get frustrated if I was giving to a church and I felt like I didn't see them doing enough outward Mm -hmm. missions. But at the end of the day, the church has to keep the lights on to be able to serve people. Yes, The church has to have staff who are willing to coordinate mission projects and willing to, because it, a lot of churches do operate off of a pure volunteer base, but oh man, it's rough. Is it a lot? Uh, smaller churches, they have to, they don't have, they don't have the money to pay more than a pastor. And so it is all volunteer for like missions projects and things like that. Mm. Um, but that means you're, only able to do what people are able and willing to do outside of their 40 hour a week job. Yeah. Um, and, and so to be able to give money and just let it go and trust that the church is going to use it well and use it to glorify God and serve other people is hard because we do hear the headline stories of churches misusing funds and we see things of like, oh, well, I wonder how much money that new statue cost that they put in the prayer garden or whatever, (laughs) you know, it is. And we start griping and complaining and and all of these things. Um, And it's difficult to just, I don't think that we should blindly give. I think that we should be aware of, and you know, the church has a yearly meeting about that not very many people attend, but it's like, hey, yeah. we're going to lay out for you everywhere that the money is going and you can hold us accountable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that the majority of churches do that. Right. Um, but for us to be able to just let go and trust that they're doing the best that they can and they are truly trying to serve God and serve others with your money yeah. Is hard. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, to your point, I don't think that we are called to blindly give. Mm-hmm. Um, I would suggest the opposite of that. I think through the parable of the talents, for instance, that you do have to be smart about where you're giving it. I think that that's part of good stewardship of money. But I do think that there is a, there is somewhere in between giving blindly and giving with faith, Um, giving indiscriminately and giving with a generous heart. And that, you know, also speaks to you, you know, you just checking off the box. Um, I don't believe that it's really good to give blindly without care because you think that this is a thing that's required of you. Mm -hmm. It's just an obligation. Yeah. It's an obligation to the church. So, I do think that we are called to be smart about where we are giving our money. And I do believe that that also applies to the church, literally the church that you're giving your money to. And so, uh, yeah, I, I want to encourage people to give out of their generosity and to not do it yeah. Blindly. But I'll say I'm also really bad about now that I am at a full tithe, when stewardship month comes along, I just kind of sit back with my arms crossed like, yeah, I'm already <laughs> doing it. I'm doing it. But the truth is that means that I haven't gotten to the point of generous heart yet. Mm, and yeah. I um, more often than not, like the journey for me of working up to a tithe was very much a generous heart and a relationship. And now that I'm there, I'm like, okay, done. Like I've, and it does start to feel like just a checkbox. And I know of people who, you know, pastor Daniel being one of them that goes above and beyond the tithe Mm -hmm. of, you know, I 
do the tithe, but then I also give extra when these things arise. And I am not at that point yet. I mm-hmm. never do that because my budget is so tight that I won't buy myself a scoop of ice cream. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> so the idea... If you go to um, Baskin Robbins, you can just do all the free samples. Like you yeah. Can, if, you, if you taste all 32 flavors, that's more than a scoop. I think that they'll like put your face on the wall of do not serve. There's so many Baskin Robbins <laughs> around here. Um, no, but... So we have like special events where we take love offerings for CCA and and we always have special missions on top of the tithe of, hey, you know, like for Christmas this year, we're raising money for refuge for women, which is an amazing cause. And I just haven't personally got to the point yet that I'm like, okay, I can give extra because then I start to think about me and I'm like, okay, I have to pay for all of the kids' Christmas presents. I have to, uh, you know, I have this budget that I'm already like really close on every single month and I want to be able to have some fun too. So I don't want to cut money off of like my little fun budget that I have, you know, all these things. And I start to get selfish all over again. And, and then we do this comparison game of, okay, well I'm giving more than this person. And so I'm being generous enough. Like I'm already doing what the Bible told me to do. You know, Mm -hmm. it's enough. Um, but that means I'm not really getting the point, which is a relationship with God and learning to have a generous heart. Yeah. If it's any consolation, you don't have to spend a lot on my Christmas gift. Oh, oh, that's a relief. <laughs> um, because you are on my list. I'm just going to cross you off right okay. now. My gift to you is fielding all of your emails. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there are emails now. Um, So I would say, you know, for me, where I am now, uh, you know, the the church that we uh, went to before here, um, we did tithe. And then we we got to a point, and I'm not really going to speak ill of the church. I don't really do like that about a particular church. And churches can grow and change, so oh, absolutely. who absolutely. knows where they are now. Right, you know? yeah, and and my my complaints with any organization are just reflective of my personal experience and not the experience overall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that, that, you know, that's that's all that's worth. It's just a personal anecdote, but, you know, it did kind of push us away for several years because my wife grew up in the church. I grew up in the church. We have attended almost our entire lives and we did have this time for three years where it just felt um, unsustainable, which is difficult um, to just to attend. It felt unsustainable kind of to our hearts. And, you know, that's neither here nor there. But now I'm in a position where I'm not tithing at a place that I care deeply for because I'm making negative dollars per month. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm making some money and it is not enough money. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, you know, there was a time in my life. But oh, what's 10% of zero? Exactly. <laughs> so you are tithing. Maybe so. Um, <laughs> we found the loophole, people. <laughs> make no money. <laughs> I mean, there is a strong case for that in the Bible anyway. But there there is a, a a portion of me that is still um there's some guilt there yeah. because because of how i was raised uh, because of the the times that i was in a strong prosperity gospel church where my only way out of this is to give out of my lack to give till it hurts and that's the but when it was just me that's okay and even when it was my wife, because there was a period of time where a business that I worked for, just when it was me and her, got sold out, and I didn't make money for a little while. Um, and so, you know, back then it felt more okay. And now we are at this station in life where I have a child, and I don't want to uproot her entire life to potentially move to a different house. And so you're kind of trying to maintain the status quo as best you can. And so I still have this guilt in the back of my mind of like, you know, am I hamstringing us? Is God judging me Mm. for not giving that 10%? 
And in my heart, I know that's not correct. But man, in my mind, do I still have this, this twinge of, of, of guilt. I failed. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. I know to that feeling because even the thoughts, you know, I had a couple of tough months over the summer where I had just extra expenses that mm-hmm. happen all the time that I was finally coming down to like, okay, am I cutting my, my giving to the church this month? Like, what am I going to do? Where am mm-hmm. I going to find this money? And even having that thought, I felt like I failed of yeah. like, why am I even considering not giving to God this month. I'm supposed to, it's supposed to be like this whole first fruits thing of like prioritize Mm -hmm. giving to God first and then everything else falls into place. And, and I want to believe that so badly, but I get scared. Mm -hmm. All right. Has there been, and for me, there's a million moments, but a moment where you were the recipient of generosity that just really changed you. Or, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, so many. What's the, a what's a big one? Uh, just recently, um, one of the one of the biggest ones was that uh, myself, as a forty two year old man at the time, uh, was gifted a car by my father. Now it's old, uh, and it's great. I have learned how fantastic. A free car feels. Uh, and it, it runs great. It still gets good gas mileage. It actually broke down two weeks ago. And my dad also came out and we worked on it and were able to get it running again because my dad's awesome. But that's such a humbling thing because mm-hmm. basically, uh, you know, our we had cars that we had leased and we weren't we weren't uh, flippant about that. We still got cars that were not crazy expensive, but we did still have two car payments that we were working on. And so it got to a point where it was just month after month after month with me not having a job. It was just chipping away so fast and you can't really get rid of the house. So we went back and modified and got a different single car by trading in both of our cars to reduce our payment. And that's great and all until you need two cars. And then it's a lot of workarounds. And, and it, it was even affecting, you know, me saying that I could go do a job at a particular time and, and trying to get just the work that I was, that I've been trying to get at the time. Uh, I do a lot of freelance stuff. So um, my, it was my stepmother's car and she wanted a new car. She had driven that one for over a hundred thousand miles. And they went to go trade it in, and they were going to give them something astronomically low for it. And they just said, here, you have it, because it's going to change our car payments $18 a month to take this off, to, to, to give this as trade in. And that's been so huge, just having the ability to, uh, to, to leave when I need to, because sometimes doing stuff up here, stuff breaks or... There's an event at night when my daughter has dance classes and I was trying to find rides up here or rides to other things. And sure, I could, I could catch an Uber or a Lyft or something like that. But again, when, you're, when you are trying to reestablish yourself financially, that's a lot of money yeah. Ubering around everywhere that you need to go. So that, I mean, that's just the most recent thing. And it's, it's, Again, it probably speaks to really that I don't have a lot of struggles in my day-to-day life that somebody handing me a free car could be so life-changing in that moment. Mm-hmm. And uh, I tell my dad often uh, and my stepmother, you know, thank you again. I'm so absolutely appreciative of that. And I'm going to drive that thing until it falls apart mm-hmm. uh, just because it it was such a such a... A, a great gift. And there's a lot of sentimental value tied to it now too. Of Definitely. Like it just reminds you of, you know, gratitude and the mm-hmm. generosity of others. And yeah. Um, yeah. For me, it was, oh my gosh, I experienced so much generosity 
during my divorce from all different sources. Mm. So, um, first of all, this church that I work for, I was working part time. And when the divorce was happening, I went to them and I was like, hey, I'm not trying to give y'all an ultimatum. These are the facts if I can't work here full time and get benefits and make enough money to live off of, I have to work somewhere else. Like yeah. I have to start looking for jobs. And uh, they decided to bring me on full time, which for a church is a very difficult decision yeah. because adding in layers of insurance and benefits and yeah. salary and, and all of these things, um, the church does not just throw money at people. Right. It is a really difficult decision that a lot of people have to weigh in on because we do all want to be good stewards yeah. of the church's money. And so that was something that I was really grateful for, that they saw the value in me because I told them, I was like, I love working here. I really want to stay here, yeah. but I can't if yeah. I can't afford to live. Yeah. And um, they were very loving and open and caring to that. And then also through the divorce, the generosity of my parents with their time and space, I moved in with them for five months mm -hmm. trying to figure out what am I going to do next? And then the generosity of one of my really good friends, Christine, uh, who I figured out, okay, even with the church bringing me full time, I can't afford an apartment. Um, and so I, uh, she offered me a bedroom in her house and I lived with her for a year um, paying a ridiculously low. Like I was definitely paying less than half of her mortgage. Mm -hmm. Um, and she was just so kind to, to bring me in and let me, you know, do affordable rent. And then the generosity of my grandparents, because when I was actually going through the divorce, I wasn't full time. So I didn't have benefits and I really needed therapy. And I couldn't afford it because I didn't have insurance. Right. And therapy is not cheap. It is not. It is not. And so my grandparents gifted me a full year of therapy oh, wow. once a week. So for y'all who don't know, when you're not covered by insurance, a therapy visit is easily $125 a session. Yes. And so that's $500 a month that they're giving to me for an entire year to be able to go to therapy. And I think that um, the reason I am, so I'm still working through some issues. I need to go back to therapy and do a tune-up. <laughs> but um, I think that I was able to grow through that experience in the way that I did because of that gift from them mm -hmm. when I could have just as easily been left to my own devices and have come out a worse person with a bitter <laughs> spirit. Yeah. And um, so there are just so many different people. And, you know, my best friends, Lee and Lexi, who uh, shared time with me and were willing to exercise with me, which I know both of them hate exercising. <laughs> and like, are there people that don't hate exercising? Wait. There are, there are people who don't hate, oh hate exercising. If you well, don't hate Lee, exercising, email Alyssa. Lee enjoys exercising. Lexi was like, I love you. So <laughs> I'll do what you need. <laughs> and I needed that. Like I needed that physical activity as an outlet to work through like, mm -hmm everything I was going through. And it's just like one instance after another of people not only being generous with their money, but being generous with their time mm -hmm. and with their talents and with their service. And so many people pouring into me all at once. I just, I want to do that. I, I want to be that for someone else yeah. because that was given to me. There have been so many times throughout uh, my life that that has been done for me. And I, I would like to think that I have also done a good job being that immediate hands-on for other people. And I don't know for sure if that's the case, but it is something that I'm cognizant of that. And that's, that's in my heart, something that I want to be. Yeah. And so I guess what I hope out of this episode is that the people who are listening, I, I want to make it clear, I'm not trying to convince anyone to give to the church. What I'm trying to do, and I hope that people are thinking about on their own, or 
you know, what are some of the times that you've experienced generosity Mm -hmm. and not just with money, but with time and with resources and, um, think about what is your relationship with money and the church and kind of explore that because I think that a big part of us learning to live more generously is self-awareness and Mm self-knowledge and rather than just shutting it down like hopefully maybe some of the people who have told me I don't go to church during the month they're talking about money can start to reflect on why is that why do I feel that way is Mm -hmm. it because I feel guilty is it because I feel like I can't afford it? Is it because, you know, I have all, of, I've seen the church use money in the wrong way? Like, start to reflect on those things because I think that when we are willing to look inside ourselves and better understand ourselves, that can be a pathway to God because then we can start being honest with God because first we have to be honest with ourselves. Right. I know that you said you, you're, you're not trying to um, tell anybody that they have to give to a church, and, and I, I, I do appreciate that, but I, I do want to urge everyone, if you have capacity, if you are at a point in your life where you are doing, doing okay, I know we all have problems all the time, but just maybe think a little bit today if you're listening to this, it doesn't have to be church related. It doesn't have to be anything big, but is there a way, is there a person that you know, is there somebody out there that could benefit from your time, your thoughts, your uh, emotional support, your money, mm-hmm. a hot meal, any of that? Yeah. That exists all the time, all around us, everywhere. Yeah. And yeah. I do want to encourage you to think through those and see if there's something that you can do. You will feel fantastic after you do it. I promise. I absolutely promise. And if you don't feel fantastic, email Alyssa at TMU. I don't even know. I don't need, that's, not your, that's not her real email address. I'm not afraid of giving you all my email address. It is R at TMUMC.org. And you can tell me all your thoughts and feelings on Aaron. Yes. Please. And I will pass them on to him in a text message. <laughs> yeah. All right. Think about it. <laughs> and thanks for joining us <laughs> on the Life Plus God podcast. And we'll see you next time. And as always, you can catch previous episodes at tmumc.org slash podcasts. Bye. Bye. <laughs> okay, bye. Okay, bye.